You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Hey, welcome back to another episode of My Undocumented Ass Podcast. We got a good episode for you this week. I sat down with Kay Walker. She talks about coming from Mexico in the back of a coyote's pickup truck and having to spend a week with them without her parents. She also talks about being a DACA recipient, how that changed her life, and how she grew up both undocumented and a Jehovah's Witness and how she's healed from that trauma. Check it out. Listeners, I'm very excited to announce that we have a brand new sponsor. We are now being sponsored by attorney Kathleen Martinez. Her and her amazing team work digitally, so they're in all 50 states. They work with undocumented people and immigrants, helping them get green cards, work permits, and ultimately citizenship. You can find them online at martinezimmigration.net. For more information, check them out. Yeah, uh, we moved here when I was little, so technically yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because like I um, that's a great thing when you know when I did when I started putting up this podcast, like oh you know I grew up undocumented, I'm doing a podcast about it, and you were like I like to be a guest, like I had no idea because like you you post a lot about uh, other things that go on in your life, which I'm I'm uh I'm, we'll get into that. I'm very happy that you're you're sharing those experiences, but I didn't know like I didn't know that you had grown up undocumented. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> big time. Oh, bigly. <laughs> big time. Bigly, <laughs> bigly, that's right. Uh, do you want me to get into the well, whole I mean, story? Well, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I guess a little bit about, like, where you're from and your background and stuff like that. Like, where you okay. we'll start. We'll start at the beginning. Okay. So, I was born in Mexico. I was there until I was uh, about 10. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, yeah, and then my parents decided, you know, we're not doing well here financially, so let's up and move my dad had already been in the u.s for a while so we just came to meet with him i guess yeah. meet him up yeah uh and so i've been here since i was 10 years old okay and but it was undocumented like we crossed the border <laughs> in the back of a pickup truck oh oh shit you remember all that you were yeah, 10 yeah you were 10 yeah yeah okay. um and um yeah i i mean we just I've been here since then, okay. you know, so all I know, all I really remember is here. I don't really remember what happened prior. Right. Like, I was going to ask you, like, do you remember, like, like growing up in Mexico or schools or anything like that? Like, yeah, I have like a few memories of school in Mexico, but, you know, you're so little before you're 10, before even when you're like seven or eight, I have little memories here and there, but like my friends' names and stuff, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually something that I was thinking about it now as an adult. When I left the Dominican Republic at six, I didn't think about anybody I was leaving. Like that was that. You know what I mean? Like in every movie, like you always see the kid like oh crying, gonna miss my friend and my abuela, and maybe he's like hugging everybody (laughs) before he leaves and saying bye to the dog. Like I fucking (laughs) left. I didn't say bye to nobody, and I knew I wasn't coming back. But I was like, Mira, you're all behind me now. I am better than you. I'm going to Dang. los Estados Unidos. <laughs> it is kind of yeah. mean. Yeah. But but you're so little, you don't realize like, hey, you don't re- you don't conceptualize the like the never that never is like, oh, like I'm never gonna see you yeah. again. You know? Yeah. You don't think about that. Yeah. What um so you your family went you say your dad was already here. Do you guys call it like I just found out that a lot of uh, Mexican people call it el otro lado? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're, that was in el otro lado. 
Yeah. And then he called you over to the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh, he yeah. had been a bus driver when he um lived in Mexico with us. He was okay. a bus driver. Okay. And I remember like people would break into his bus and like steal his tools and stuff. So like you don't make any money, you know? Like things are Was he a bus driver for like the city or like for like local kind of like he had his own bus and He had and his own bus. Oh yeah, this yeah. wasn't like a city thing. There was like no public yeah. service. Like he was a bus <laughs> driver like this is my bus and I am the driver. <laughs> like, that's right. <laughs> that's literally bus drivers in Mexico. <laughs> my bus and I drive it. <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Like I remember I would What route do you take? The route I want? <laughs> My bus. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Like he owned the bus and everything, mm. you know? So yeah, it was, it was, you're not making any money off of that no. though, because it's, you got to invest all that money right back into the crappy little bus you got. Yeah. You know? Keep and getting it fixed. And that's why people keep robbing you. And that just becomes a whole nother issue. Yeah. Oh my so. God. So I'm sorry, it's so funny, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> so yeah, so he was like, I'm going to come over here. And what did he wind up, uh, like, I'm guessing just like any kind of work he could do, like, when he came over yeah. here for a while. Yeah, so um, he ended up in plumbing, in construction. Okay. So, like, like a lot of people oh, do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so um, he's come a long way, though. I got to give it to him. He owns his own business now. Yeah. He, like, you know, he's a, he's a journeyman plumber, which means, like, he's got a license and everything. So, okay. Yeah, you know, he's advanced since then, but yeah, when you first start out, like, I know it's like a whole trope, but like, you're waiting for work. Yeah. You know, outside the Home Depot or mm -hmm. something like that. Like, it really does happen where you're sitting there waiting for someone to who needs help to hire you. And then hopefully you can build that relationship and they hire you back and hire you back. And he's got wow. relationships going on for like 20 years now. So, that is, wow, that is, wow, that is kind of like, you don't, you don't think about that, those dudes. That we all make fun of, like, oh yeah, they stand outside the Home Depot until somebody calls them over. That is the first opportunity a lot of people have. So they just stand there, like, it's somebody's first day at the Home Depot. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah and hopefully, like I said, you build a relationship with a contractor who likes the the way you do things, and then you go back and go back and go back, and hopefully, you know, it's a permanent thing. It becomes a permanent thing. Wow, and it's also such a privilege too. It's such a, like it's such a specifically designated for men. So that's why they have to come here first because these are like not great paying jobs, but they're the better paying jobs that you can get as an undocumented person. So that's why the yeah. men's got to go first. Mm -hmm. And then do you like so you say you really came in the back of a pickup truck. Was it like like from how far was it from like your hometown kind of thing all the way to the border? Or did you guys have to go through several steps before you finally? Oh, we went through several steps. I remember uh, we packed up just a little backpack. Like, that's all we got. Just a little, don't take your toys. I mean, we were so so small. It was me and my sister at the time. She was four years younger than me. So she was like six. Okay. And so like no toys, no nothing. Just bring essentials, like the clothes on your back and maybe an extra change of clothes. And that's it. Just a little thing. And we took the bus from, I, I was born in Querétaro. Okay. And we took the bus from Querétaro to uh, Matamoros. Okay. And I remember arriving in Matamoros and... There's no humidity in Querétaro. It's like right in the middle of the country. Mm. And so like I remember arriving in Matamoros and I felt like the humidity was so thick I couldn't breathe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember staying in like a little hotel, you know, yeah. um, for like one or two nights. Okay. And then the the pickup truck, the, the Coyote came and picked us up. Yeah. And it was just me and my sister. He only took me and my sister first. He left my mom in um the hotel 
and took us first. And so we ended up coming here like three or four days without her. It was at least a week, I remember. Oh, we that's scary. Big time scary. Oh, my God. I, I just think that you and your sister just hugging each other the entire time. Like, <laughs> don't let me go. Literally, like, we don't know this person. We don't know who they are. Like, we don't know where we're going. Yeah. Where's mom? You know? So, yeah, it was it was kind of scary. But it wasn't, like, in the back of the pickup truck. It was, like, in the back seat of the pickup truck. Right, right, and right. I remember they just put us there, and they were, like, just pretend you're asleep. And this was like in 2000, so it was prior to like 9-11. Wow. Yeah. And so they were like, just pretend you're asleep. We'll, if they ask you any questions, we'll say you're going to go see your grandma. And that's yeah. it. And I remember just like, you know, open one eye when we were at the border, like, okay, we're asleep. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And then that was it. We passed and um, we stayed at that person's house and just hung out there for like i said for about a week before my mom crossed over met up with us and then we drove up to see my dad up here i live in houston do you do you know how your mom was able because i'm sure like make pretend you're sleeping <laughs> wasn't gonna work for a grown woman you know like todo right. miendo, no me joda. Right, i don't right. do it real when i get to america no me joda. <laughs> yeah that doesn't work for grown people no just for kids that's, that's a kid right. move <laughs> that's right uh, I don't know. You know, she never really talked about that. Oh I just God. remember they showed up in that same truck. You oh, know? This, okay. I feel like they did the sleep thing too. Yeah. So if they back in 2000, Border Patrol really didn't want to wake you. You know, back then they were very polite. It was before 9 11. <laughs> they were like, ¿Qué pasa? ¿Está durmiendo? No, no, let her go through. You don't wake yeah, her up. It's, yeah, yeah. She's good though, right? You're good yeah. though, right? Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That, that's their due diligence. You're good though, right? <laughs> You're right. Okay. Before 9 11, you good was all you needed. That's it. <laughs> you good? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> They're like, hey, yeah. they said it with such confidence, I have to believe them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you know it's funny. You keep saying, like I, I just had another interview with someone who came here in 2000, like right before. They, yo, we are really part of global history. Like we, we before two, before September, September 10th, 2001, and before kids have a very different experience of September 11th and after kids. Yes. Like it is. Time. Oh, it, we are. Yeah. It's big terrible. time, big time. I remember my stepdad. He's from he's from Mexico, you know, and he he used to walk to Mexico and come back to see his second. Well, actually, it's his first family. We are her second family. I need to remember that. So okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always can say his other family, but we are the second family. <laughs> uh, it's so hard to be second. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> but before I left, yeah, no, he would go back like uh, every every year to go see his kids and come right back and and be with us, you know, you know, he he did, but yeah. they, it was so much easier. And then you know after eleven, I remember like him like wasn't it? He wasn't he was afraid to go for like six seven years, you know. Finally he oh, went yeah. and yeah, and then he came back. But no, it was it was it's definitely a different world. Oh, big time! It's so different. They cracked down on a lot of stuff, so there was no like back and forth anymore. Everyone just kind of was like, stay put. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You yeah. Know? Was the, and then um so you got here when you were 10 then you like went straight to school because i know there's like a, there's like another half of your life that that you talk about a lot and that's that's what i don't even know how to get into that because it's but what what was that uh okay did that happen after you get here like you were in school and just tell me like a little bit about the other half of your life that if you want to just share sure um so i grew up as a jehovah's witness okay um 
and my mom actually i do remember this okay. my mom actually met the witnesses when i was in mexico okay uh and i because i remember the woman and everything and i remember going to the were church there and everything uh no no they okay because i don't know if a jehovah witness is such like an, an american export it is right like yeah okay so that's what i'm thinking mm -hmm. you know okay so you you were with jehovah's witness yeah so you know when we moved here as soon as we got settled my mom was like i gotta find the witnesses yeah you know like but it took a few months because you know you get here you don't have my my dad didn't really have a place for us mm -hmm. uh, and so it took some time to we were staying with one of his friends and their family and so it took some time for us to get our own apartment and get settled and but but as soon as we did she was like we got to find the witnesses yeah you know like we got to figure it out and so um yeah that's how that's how it came to in contact with them is she she went and looked them up in the yellow pages and yeah. we we found them but but so back in mexico she wasn't like that like she was she practicing jehovah and you grew you were raised jehovah's witness uh kind of uh, she came in contact with them when i was about eight okay so not not really but kind mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she wasn't as strict with it for a long time. Not really. Not until I was about 15 years old. Okay. So it took some time for her to like get adjusted and like learn everything and then really like convert. Yeah. She was Catholic. She was Catholic before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in the meantime, it was just go to school, you know, try and do your best at school. Um. Yeah, the religion didn't have a big impact on me when I was like early teens, okay. like from ten to fifteen years old. Okay, it was after that that it was like a big thing. Right, because I was thinking I was I wasn't sure if like if because I wasn't sure if Jehovah's Witness had been somebody that maybe helped you come here or if they had helped you guys where you were undocumented in any way. Because I was that's that's so crazy for you to be like I grew up undocumented and also part of like really deep in this big religion, you know, and everything. Yeah. So I was like, they didn't know you guys were undocumented or like how did because because you didn't live anywhere you still live at home you were just big in the community right because i thought you were part of like almost like um uh, like you you lived on a compound kind of thing you didn't do oh all that, did yeah you? no 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 it wasn't like that but the community is so tight-knit that like we had neighbors who were jehovah's witnesses like down the street okay you know so it was so close-knit that um if we did need anything and they did know they did know we were undocumented okay um if we did need anything they were there right. you know so it was it was a good support system for the i will admit that yeah, <laughs> i yeah, know yeah. i talk no, about no, no 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 yeah that's that's i wasn't because i know the kind of stuff you have with them so i was like what did they do with you being undocumented like that's what yeah I'm yeah yeah no they it was a good support system for like i said when you're undocumented you don't know you don't have a lot of resources you don't know that there's resources available to you as an undocumented mm -hmm. person here and so it was good to meet people who were like hey my mom was pregnant when we came here and so people were like hey you know you can um get on get on medicaid because you're pregnant and so like this is going to cover your your medical bills and stuff and like it helped her out while she was here um to know all that stuff from the people in the congregation like so they did help her out a lot do you think um, what's maybe what also part of making her go deeper into it was the uh you know just the uncertainty of this country and then having like literally like this organization that's like oh we'll teach you this and because they were doing like I'm, I'm not talking about rich stuff i'm talking about like legal stuff maybe there was some points where she was like oh they are helpful in this and yeah. she she put it too much into it's the faith 
you know right like, right right it's god know. trying to help me out it's yeah, god helping me out instead of a, yeah. it's a program that that's available to people right exactly yeah i think plus my mom has a really sad you know past so i think just like growing up it was hard for her and so she just found something that gave her hope right. you know and so she like held on to it right yeah. What about you growing up? Like, did you, did you like, when you came here, you were 10, like, you knew, like, your parents were like, hey, you know, you're undocumented. That means, like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, you had a little bit, like, an awareness of it? A little bit, yeah. It never really clicked until I got older and I couldn't get a job. Like, oh. all, I remember, like, 16 in high school, like, all my friends were getting hired at, like, Popeyes and stuff, and I, like, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get a job. <laughs> My first job was Subways. It's funny, yeah, the fast exactly. jobs, the fast food jobs always take us. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is It is a lot of times when, yeah, because it's, it's hard to understand what it is until you start going for like, oh, I got to get a job or I got to get a driver's license. And it's these little passages that every teenager is supposed to have that you're like, I can't get a job. Like, you know, right. they're dying for people to flip burgers. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. And then I remember like all my friends were going to like driver's ed and I couldn't do that. So all my friends had cars when we were in high school and I was the only one still riding the bus, you know? So it <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, Especially it was in Texas, one of those that's not easy. No. <laughs> so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, this is affecting my life more now that I'm an adult or growing up as an a, a, a older teenager than it was when I was a kid, you know? Wow. You just put something into perspective for me. Cause like, so when I was 18, you know, undocumented, couldn't get a driver's license, anything like that. But I, I started doing stand-up comedy and the lucky thing was that I moved back to New York City on my own. I didn't know I didn't know New York City was like the mecca of stand-up comedy. I just moved there because that's where I grew up. So then when I started doing comedy, like I was very lucky that I can go to all these shows in a major city all through public transportation. Like I was an undocumented person that was very lucky at the fact that I never had to get behind the wheel to get to a job or get to a show. And then if I had to, I would just like convince a comedian who does have a car for them to drive and I'll pay all the gas. And the people were like, hell yeah, I'll drive you. You know, so I was, those are the kind of resources that you have to do as an undocumented person. But you were in, in Texas where there is like no public transportation. So you had to depend on family and friends all the time for rides. Yep. Yeah, it, we relied on, we. I remember we walked everywhere. Like there was little, you know, shopping strips that were about maybe half a mile from our house. We'd walk there. And then there was a Walmart. We'd walk there. So, like, I remember walking back with, like, our bags of groceries, you know, and, like, everything. We just had no way to get around. And, like, it's not like we have sidewalks here. No. You know, there's not a whole lot of sidewalks. It's not pedestrian friendly no. at all. So, it's not like you're walking safely. You're walking and, like, avoiding cars at yeah. the same time. Yeah. You know, with your groceries. Don't hit my Briar's ice cream, you motherfucker. <laughs> right. Try to get home before it melts. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it was just um, like you said, there's there's very little resources here as far as public transportation. So like having a car was like imperative. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I just had to hope I didn't get pulled over because there was no light. I didn't have a license. I knew how to drive. Yeah. I, I knew all the rules. Yeah, yeah. But I, didn't, you know, I don't know how to drive in the eighth grade. I just say I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 We get taught <laughs> real you know, early. Actually, my stepdad, my, my Mexican stepdad, he taught me how to drive. Right in the eighth grade and he would let me drive him to a lot of places <laughs> and i go i was like hey man i'm in the eighth grade i don't have a license and he goes neither do i so we're <laughs> both kind of in the same boat here so <laughs> you drive i think if a kid's driving they might be a little bit like pretty impressive other than the documented mexican driving. <laughs> 
like they might be sick I mean, turn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they so, might be kinder to you. Yeah, they might be kinder. Yeah, I think I was a prop for him. Holy shit. I think I was like, there's no way an eighth grade is driving. There's no way I just saw that. <laughs> that's how you fool them. You fucking, like, you know. Make them think yeah, exactly. Mm. But yeah, no, that that is that is crazy. Those little things that, like. That's that's one thing that like I hate that white people are like, why don't you just get your your citizenship? Like it's like like it's like going to the DMV, and they could just apply and like, oh great, now I can do that. Like they don't they don't understand. That's horrible. no, it's such a like long that. process. And um, a- <laughs> sorry, right after um yeah, so like after high school, like did you go to college or you just you weren't able to? So there was a few things. So you know, my mom she had such a because of the religion, she had such a like closed mind. So it was always like, just, just put your head down and work, you know, work hard. Oh, and it was docile, like, docile, undocumented person. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she, what my dad, like I said, he owns his own business. He's a plumber. She was like, learn how to do that. And you can go work with your dad. And I'm like, I don't want to be a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be out there in the middle. Yeah. And I did try it for one summer, you know, I was out there like putting pipes together and stuff, but it's just, it's not for me, you know? Yeah. I've I've gone to work construction to be like go do it you know that way you have a skill and I'm like I I saw I remember, I'll never forget this I remember the first day at work I saw this guy try to pick up a heavy beam and everybody dropped it except one guy and he got all eight fingers crushed and I was like I hold my microphone with my fingers I'm not like I was thinking about my comedy right I was like I need my fingers there is no way I'm gonna be like doing this as side work to lose exactly. my fingers like get out of here so I never did construction again. Yeah, because like, it's dangerous. Yeah, it's horrible. But they put us there because you know, no papers, nothing to like go. That's that, right. That should be the honorable work. Right. Putting it's our... like the easy oh, way out. So horrible. she like she really discouraged college one because of the religion, but also because she was like, no, just put your head down, just get your little, just get your little house, you know, get your little like she thought that you know a hundred dollars a week was gonna do it for yeah. me, and it's like even in two thousand eight. You know, that's when I turned 18. Yeah. That that wasn't going to work. That's when the economy was like really starting to sputter out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. The 2000, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was two years out of high school. So that's exactly where I I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do because I started doing comedy. Even that was like kind of people weren't really paying. Clubs were closing. It was horrible. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. And so she like discouraged college. So I didn't go to college. Um. I didn't honestly at that time I didn't even know that I had resources to go to college that like as an undocumented person I was I was able to go to college cuz you know you think like I have to have a social security number for that yeah. and you don't yeah you know so you're you're 2 years younger than me and I literally the same thing I was talking about the other show was my aunt uncle mom dad people kind of raised me for a little bit were so oblivious to the fact that you could apply that you could go to them that for me and my sister, they were both like, you made it this far, congratulations. Yeah. You know, be happy for that, which which kind of really breaks my heart because, you know, if we had had the internet the way we do now, we could have just Googled this shit ourselves and, right. and put ourselves through it, but we didn't have these resources. Right. And, and if, if the adults aren't going that hard for you, it makes you feel like there is no option. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it just felt like, okay, so college is out. I'm just going to do what I can. And I got a job uh, waiting tables. And so I, I waited tables for like four years, you know, and that was, that's what was getting me through Yeah. and to, well, and I got my DACA too. When I got my DACA, I was like, 
well, now I have, you know, a way to okay. go out here mm. and see if I can apply to college. And then I find out you don't even have to. <laughs> you don't even have to have that. I could have done it the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. I yeah. know what you mean, yeah. So yeah. that's when I was able to, like, take some college courses and, like, do a little bit of, you know, and I was, at, I, I was a grown adult by then. I had yeah. moved out and everything, so... I was able to get some college courses, but I never really, because it wasn't instilled in me, you know, yeah, that it yeah. was important. Yeah. I never really finished. Um, but I, I'm back now. Good. Hey, I'm, in, I'm, I'm finished my last semester now, so it's never oh, too late. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. exactly. That's how I feel about it, too. Like, I felt like, oh, I got too old to go to college. And I was like, no, I'm still alive. I'll be too old when I'm dead. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> you know? that's a little too old then. And yeah. it's also like, I think for us undocumented kids, I think also it's not fair to be like, well, I didn't do it when I was like 18, like all these white kids who've never had to worry about this. We have a very different timeline that we yeah. need to be very kind to ourselves. You know, like I'm that's like, true. you know, like that's something like we both talk about, um, you know, you, when you had DACA, when you started thinking about it, you know, I started doing comedy when I was 18 and I was undocumented and I stayed very under the radar. I, I was funny. And there was like like competitions that were like in Canada, like called the Montreal Comedy Festival, which is the biggest comedy festival in comedy. And I knew I was good enough to go there. But for eight years of doing comedy, I purposely made it so nobody would see me because I was afraid of being asked to do things outside of what I could do, you know. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't until I got status finally, like maybe three years ago, four years ago, that my career that I was finally able to be like, I'm going to go fucking hard. And my career like started going upward because like you know people don't realize how much that one status gives you that confidence to be like yo now i can do more you know right. and, and you you are holding yourself back when you don't have that status because every day you wake up you're like oh, i don't want to get in trouble i don't you know i don't want right. to do that you, you're holding yourself back yeah like anything could happen and you lose everything so it's like what's the point of trying you do you do you do hold yourself back because i remember once i got my daca I was able to get a job, like a real job at a hospital, like doing administrative work, but it was like, it felt like a real corporate job. We're so low that we're like at a desk. I You're know. Kidding me. And I was like, I'm I was like, I got a my, desk? Own, my own phone and everything. Yeah. Like it just felt so fancy, you know? know. know. So it was like a big deal once I was able to like, you can spread your wings essentially yeah. once you get that status you can go out there and actually like do something yeah and, and we yeah. we've been so repressed for so long that it it does become uh obsessive you know what i mean like now i feel like i have to do so much before because I, I lose my status in 2024 right okay. and i don't know what's gonna happen after that so right now i'm like i, I gotta get my college degree you know and i, and I gotta make my tiktok popping and i gotta do all this <laughs> because like if something happens to me and i get deported maybe maybe i can you know take whatever i earn here and take it over there and and then I'm like, I'm such like a white man where I'm like, and then I can go to DR and buy a house there near the beach. I'm like, so you want to colonize? And just like, what the fuck's wrong with you, bro? It's all wrong. You know, like they do it for Puerto Rico and they just like buying the island off Puerto Ricans. Like I'm going to go yes. to some kind of asshole. Just buy the island off all the, I'm like, it's terrible. I think we've all had those thoughts. Cause like my sister um, lost her status. Um, she's on DACA, but she like, she took a while to, it was all backlogged for a while yeah. when it was like on the edge of getting canceled and stuff. Yeah. And she was like, I'm not sure if they're going to, you know, process it or anything. She was a teacher. And so she lost her job as a teacher. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was like, I'm going to move back to Mexico and teach English. Yeah. <laughs> you Did know? She do like, it? That's what I'm going to do. 
No, she's still here. She was able. Oh. To, she got her DACA renewed, oh, okay, okay. thankfully. Yeah. Um, but she was like, that was. She was already thinking like, I'm gonna go up there. I'm gonna teach English. I'm gonna buy a house. And I was like, so what's the problem? Like yeah, you got yeah. you got skills. You know you. And those are like high, highly desirable skills now in Mexico. I so. mean, there is there is a part of me that um, you know I, I heard somebody say this once. Actually, it was Floor, the the girl who was on the podcast before this one. Um, she was like, people always ask me what's my American dream, but nobody ever asked me what's my Guatemalan dream. Yeah, and I'm like that's actually <laughs> very true. Like, like I think about Dominican Republic, and 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 I hate to sound like this, but um, I just found out that I've actually in DR, I'm kind of from like the privileged class. Um, my dad was actually really good friends with this guy named Anthony Rios, which became a superstar in Latin America. Uh, he helped out my cousin, who's now a musician. Um, my family had a little bit of money because of my dad being a dentist in DR. So my mom left because my dad was so abusive to her that she brought me here. So I grew up undocumented, not realizing that if I had actually grown up in DR, um, Anthony Rios had a major production company. And if I had wanted to be a comedian, he was literally my dad's best friend. And, you wow. know, right now my cousin is, and, and he was actually my other cousin's godfather. So it's just like one of these things where I'm like, God, nobody like I I know it's kind of like oh your parents brought you here yeah but it 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 almost seems wrong to dream about a, a world where I was Dominican you know what I mean and yeah. and grew up there and and tried their entertainment world and and tried to go as far as I can without being labeled undocumented without being called into a room only because I was brown you know right like, it's just yeah. it's just it's it's it almost breaks my heart that I didn't get a chance to 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 show all my art and all my skills around my community who actually loved me and would not have seen me as just you know, a brown boy, they would have seen me as their primo or their prima, you know, right. whatever, just like a family member. Yeah. You know, because that's the thing yeah. about white people. White people don't understand that they see each other as family members. Right. You know what I mean? When they see a fat, chubby white kid in the street being silly, like, that reminds me of my fat, chubby white cousin. Like, yeah, that's how life works. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Who you hang out around a lot with, you kind of tend to put other people's, pre you know, on them. They, oh, that reminds me of my father and my mother. But the fact that you hang out with no Mexicans, nobody reminds you of a Mexican when you see a Mexican. You know what I mean? Right, You're exactly. Like, oh, that's my cousin, you know? But when you, like, if I would have grown up in DR, people were like, that's my little cousin who's super funny. You should put him on TV. He reminds me just of my cousin. <laughs> you know? But white people don't see me like that. They go, what is that guy doing taking my job? You know, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's, yeah. You ever think about that? What would have been like in Mexico? Yes. Yeah. I, especially like as things got really turbulent here with like, you know, um, immigration policies and stuff like that. I was like, okay, what are we going to do yeah. if like it all comes crashing down? And so I'm already thinking like, okay, so we move, you know, what am I, what's my job going to be? Do I even still have citizenship there? Like yeah. I moved when I was 10. I have no record. I don't know what's going on. You actually, know? Yeah. There is actually, that's actually the fear too that a lot of people don't realize that sometimes the people can get deported and then become stateless. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. They, they, you get deported and then not even be part of the country being deported too. Happens to Asians all the time. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, okay, are they still, you know, I don't have, I've never voted. I've never yeah. like had a job there. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. So oh, yeah, I probably would have yeah. to, you would, we would have to go through that whole thing of proving that our parents were born there and, and having to get status there. Oh exactly. my God. When does it end? When are we just people? I got to prove I was birth. I am a person. <laughs> Like, I just want to live my life. <laughs> I just want to live my life without these papers all the time. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And what no. about, like, now you're still a DACA recipient now? 
actually um so i'm married to a to a white boy oh nice <laughs> and... uh, i got a white girlfriend don't worry about it yeah. we all gotta make our moves <laughs> that's right <laughs> and um when you know uh, we tried to get status for me when i was like because we were married young i was 18 when we got married oh wow so we tried to get the papers going right away but it was it's like pretty impossible to do it if you don't have kids yeah which i don't you know oh, i'm yeah. 30 now and i still don't have kids yeah. So if you don't have if you can't prove that, like, you have a hardship, it's pretty impossible to get any kind of paperwork moving. So we were like, OK, we'll just sit on it. And so when the opportunity came, I was able to um, go see my grandma in Mexico. And when I came back, they were like, oh, hey, so because you left and you came back and we approved you through DACA, it was like a I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, advanced parole. Uh, Because my grandma was very sick. Mm -hmm. So I went to see her and they were like, yeah, we've approved you to come back. So now you basically have status here. So you can just request like for your green card, basically. Yeah. And so I was able to do that. And it happened for the green card. It happened fast. Like it happened within a few months. And then, you know, you have to wait a couple of years for the green card um, to become a citizen. I think it was like three or four years. Right. So I waited and like immediately we're like, let's do this document um, for the uh, citizenship. So I just became a citizen a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh-huh. Congrats. So, wow. That's a you. that's 18 year journey. Just a couple of years yeah, ago. It really was. It was. Yeah. Close to 18 years. Just trying to get documents moving and paperwork and like the, the bureaucracy of it, you know, yeah, like yeah. you're missing this and you're missing that and just. Yeah. So but now yeah, that you're a citizen, a do you feel like do you, do you get all the superpowers that come with it? Can you see through like people? Because people what think superpowers? like your <laughs> people think like your life changes. Like what superpowers? <laughs> you can see through walls now, right? That's what right? happens. All you are citizens, like they can see through walls now. Well, <laughs> people covet it so much; it has to come with something. That's right. You know, it has to come with something. No, I know, yeah. and it's. It, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm very happy for you, by the way. I'm very happy you're there. Thank you. Uh, I just gotta. I just gotta. This is probably from the heart. Just you know, don't forget where you came from, because a lot oh, of like, no. people. A lot of people become citizens and they're like, you know, Trump 2024. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, Big time. You I know. You were last week. No, actually, it's so funny that you mentioned that because um, I was just telling my husband. When I first became a citizen, I was like, good. Now I can be loud about this. Yeah. Like now they can't do anything to me. What are they going to do? You know, so mm. basically I was like, I I looked up, you know, organizations here in the area that needed help with like immigrant support and i found an organization here locally that helps um basically provide support for children who are detained yeah and so you go and you become an advocate for the child and um i was gonna go and do the training and everything and then the pandemic hit like right away and so they canceled all the trainings they canceled everything because we really didn't know what the situation was going to be, you know? Um, And I just got kids in detention that they just don't have that leadership anymore. They lost a lot more. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I think they just didn't weren't they weren't taking like new members, but they were everyone who was already there, like they were helping out. Right. But um, I just got an email again saying like, Hey, if you really, if you're coming, if you want to come back and do the training and everything, like, let's do it. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's support. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, because in my mind, I'm like, you're right. A lot of people do become very, like, snobby when they become citizens, you know, Mm -hmm. like, "Mm, I'm good now. But in my mind, I'm like, I remember what it was like to be undocumented. And I remember, like, for me, it was so such a lucky journey to not be crossing on foot, 
to never be detained like it's a whole new ball game now yeah so like if we can do anything to help and to support let's do that yeah. you know if we have the the chance to do that yeah so. i i know i i i feel you so wholeheartedly that's why like i became a lot more vocal once i got you know even just temporary now but uh yeah i almost don't want to become a citizen because i feel like if it's so much bullshit for everybody else i just like i feel guilty you know it's, it's like it is yeah. like almost like a survival's guilt kind of thing like i made it this far and look at all these people who are not and like you know i think about my uh my parents who well especially my mom not my dad I don't give a fuck but anyways my mom <laughs> who uh you know and i say it's a lot like i'm i'm one of the good immigrants because i don't have like a criminal record but my mom has everything she did for me you know is the I reason why she has that record so she can't become right. a citizen ever so i'm just like so heartbroken about it and i'm like yeah, i don't i don't think i want it you know because yeah these people who sacrifice so much for me can't get it yeah yeah and even like for me i tried to get it for my parents yeah. and it yeah. was it's impossible like yeah. basically because like you said because of everything they did for me mm -hmm. to get me here and like to support me while i was here there's no way to get them status even though i'm a citizen now yeah like there's it's impossible unless they leave and then they have like that 10 years that they can't ever come back until after 10 years and then we can apply and it's like 10 years that's 10 a long years time, yeah what are what for people who already have a life here it's not like you can just like oh okay i'll just go and come back yeah and you're also asking people in their 50s to give up 10 years of their probable last productive years of income you know what i mean like exactly that's yeah. horrible yeah, so we're basically just waiting it out like yeah. everybody else. <laughs> so is my mom. My mom's just waiting it out like everybody else. And it's, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't, this, this government's not going to pass anything, which is like, no. Biden, Biden is definitely not going to pass anything. He's so ineffective. He can't even pass his own goddamn Build Back Better bill. <laughs> really? He's going to pass our, our problems. Mm -mm. And it, 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 it just feels like we're out here alone. You know what I mean? And, it, and the thing yeah. is, it's, it's, it's a global problem. You know, like I try to, Think about like I'm lucky enough that maybe yeah I could go back to DR and it's a decent enough country that I could you know make a life there. But there are people who are from countries that are not doing very well. Like what do you tell somebody from Afghanistan? You know, go back for ten years right. and see if it gets better. Like are you out of your right. mind? Right. Exactly. It's not. It's not as easy as they make it sound. Yeah. Yeah. But that's I um so like now that um what are you in school for? I, I didn't mean to ask because you're saying you're in school a little bit now. Yeah, so I I'm going to school now for real to get yeah. my bachelor's degree in computer programming. Computer program, okay, cool, cool, cool. What's the what's the plan? What's the future looking like for you? Because that's the thing uh, I, I want to ask all the all the, all the undocumented folk. Like, what's the future, man? That's a good question. Um, you know, I was just thinking about when you know in this conversation we kind of touched on it. How like when you get here, you know so little about the resources that are available to you. Um, so it would be great if we could um i don't know have an app or something yeah that could put everything together you know like here's the local resources in your state put in your zip code and then like it pops up with everything for you you know what we need we need a green book have you heard, <laughs> have you heard about green book no oh you know oh green book um it was in the um <clears throat> in the 1950s it was uh started by this man a uh, black uh black fellow who wanted to let other black people know around the country where they can go that it was safe you know, mm. because black people, you know, yeah. segregation back then yeah. or just straight up like, it, you know, sun, sundown cities like you couldn't be there at the sundown. 
So yeah. he created this book that it became the the Black Traveler's Guide to America. It told okay. you every state, every city you were in. It got so big at one point it became international. That oh, wow. it told you, you know, all the black businesses where you could stay. Uh, maybe some white businesses who were going to be kind to you. You know, gas stations. Because, you know, people don't realize, like, you couldn't even go to a white gas station without fear of being lynched. So you had to go to black gas stations. Right. So yeah. this is actually, the Green Book actually is credited for... Um, making black businesses as powerful as they were before integration because black businesses at one point had giant hotels, movie theaters, and it was all because the Green Book showed black people around the country, this is the movie theater you want to go to. This is the, you know, so... So th- so we need our own green book, you know? Yeah. These are the sanctuary cities. These are the places right. you can go that are not going to call. These are the colleges right. you can go to. These are yes. the people you can talk to. We need our own app green book, and that is a great, fantastic fucking idea. Yeah. So that's like, I want to learn how to, like, build stuff, build apps and stuff to yeah. provide resources for people. Wow. You know? Because I feel like that's a lot, that's a lot of what our community is missing is yeah. resources. Yeah. Like, the knowledge of these resources. So, yeah, you're right. Like like a green book. That's exactly what I what look it we up. Need. It's really it's a really great interesting history. Uh, the green book. But we, that's a that's a fantastic idea, because again, we both talked about this at eighteen. We, you know, we had some kind of like itching to go to college, but our parents didn't know or they were afraid. You know, they they were afraid, and it's a lot of things were like, yo, like my girlfriend today was a white woman had to teach me five years ago that I could actually go into a courtroom and fight a fucking speeding ticket. Like go in there and be like, fuck you. Was your, was your speed indicator on? Were you groggy that night officer? Like I could ask questions and shit of him. I was like, my girl goes to court and asks questions of the cop. Like, and how long have you been doing it? You're a rookie stopping me. And I'm just like, and then it is just, but it's just so fearful that as, as undocumented youth, even the idea of applying for college is a fear that will get us deported. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like anything what? that requ- that requires your name, your address, or anything. Even when DACA came out, I was like, "But what if they're just building a database to like oh, yeah. sell out?" <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> you know? that's the that's the undocumented conspiracy theory. That's not a conspiracy <laughs> theory. You know what I mean? Yo, bro, they all just want to get you on a goddamn file. <laughs> so the day they change their mind, they deport you, and you're like, "Yeah, okay, that does make sense." But I still got to get this fucking job. So, right, you know like I mean? <laughs> this is gonna open a lot of doors for me. Yeah. That's why, yeah. that's why I hate white people because white people say everything that Latinos should be saying. Like, white people are like, what? They're not letting us vote or they're stealing our vote. We should go, you know, storm the Capitol. And I'm like, that's what brown people should be saying. <laughs> like, but forget it. Like, it really we don't is. get to say that shit. <laughs> that's what we We're all just do. trying to keep our heads down, man. <laughs> and I'm just like you, too. I'm in school and uh, I'm, I'm in school for business. And people always okay. ask me, like, oh, why you why why you uh pick business? And I go, because I'm sick and tired of how much white people hold the idea of business and money in their hearts, and it's all that drives them. So I want to learn everything I can about money so I can learn how to destroy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's actually they'll be like, wait, you in school just to learn how to destroy money? I'm like, yeah, I'm spending a lot of money to learn how to destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. But you know, bring so, yeah, down so the, the system. I, I gotta figure out, I gotta learn what the fuck they, they value so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's insane. It's- oh man, where we at? Where we at with that, Jesse? Well, forty minutes, cool. We're probably gonna get out of here in another minute or two. But okay. uh, I'm very, I'm very, very, very happy uh, with what you're doing and everything. And uh, I don't, I don't know, like if I should ask you, but like you know, because with the undocumented thing, I kind of understand like how you kind of, you know, you you've gotten to develop through it. But I know that like Jehovah's Witness was such a big part of your life. Like, at what age did you kind of like step away from that? Because that that's two two different heavy things you had on you at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah, and actually I've met a lot since I started speaking out about Jehovah's Witnesses, I met a lot of undocumented people who were like, hey, I grew up Jehovah's Witness too. And it felt like I was so alone because nobody else understood what it was like. So thank wow. you for sharing your story. And I'm like, I, there was this many of us out there. Like, I, I wish I would have known that growing up because you just you do feel so alone. You feel like you're the only one because everyone else has their little papers. And like yeah. I said, they all get their jobs and everything. So but um, I didn't step away until I was like 29. Okay. So it took me some time. It was, yeah, three years ago I also, stepped away. Also, these last two years that I've seen you like do your TikTok, this is a very new, yeah. new you speaking about it and coming out of it. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Because um, like it just takes, it's so high demand. It takes over your life so much that it's hard to get out. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said, your entire community is so tight knit. It's all you know. It's all you do all day every day yeah. and so did you have to go out and like knock it. on doors did they make you do that yeah you did that yourself <laughs> yeah oh, so i thought that was an undocumented person I'd be like that's kind of scary <laughs> like <laughs> hi i'm here for god nothing else yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't ask else. me about anything else <laughs> yeah. you don't need to ask my name yeah. my, nothing <laughs> although people did people close the door on you a lot um yeah there was a few people who would see us and just slam the door yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that kind of, but most people just like didn't open the door they looked through the window see oh, us yeah. and then be like yeah that, that was it so the, we, yeah. yeah that's what i did too i mean every time i saw them but it's just so funny to actually know somebody who was like i have to go door to door and try and get yes were you ever, were you ever like convincing did you ever get somebody to be like you know what i will go to the church no <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get one customer not one person i'm a like terrible salesperson years. too <laughs> Have you heard the good word of the Lord? No. All right, never mind. Forget no, it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you don't want right. to hear it, I'm going to bother you. I appreciate it. I appreciate your no, time. It honestly got so bad that, like, at one point, I just would pretend to knock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness. Okay, nobody won't That's bite. right. Like, just a little tap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not home. Let's move not on. Home. Let's go. <laughs> Damn, Kay, you got the worst quota. What do you want me to do? I'm knocking. I'm saying Jehovah's Witness. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a trip. It was yeah. a trip. But then, like, you said, like, yeah, like just three years ago, you said I just, like, walk away. Yeah. Yeah, I walked away because there's a lot of problems with the organization. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been free since. Do you still, like, find yourself, like, being religious or spiritual? Where do you... What does your faith kind of have you now? I feel like it's evolved into more of a spiritual thing. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily, I know a lot of people like jump out of something like that and they go like, well, God doesn't exist. Like for me, uh, I, it just, I feel like I became closer to like nature and stuff. Oh, like I became nice. a lot more, more aware of myself, yeah. you know, of like my existence and like what I'm actually doing with the time that I'm given and stuff like that. So, yeah, I feel like it was a really good change for me. Yeah. Well, you've come mm -hmm. out of a lot of stuff with, with a really good um, spirit. And I, I'm, I'm very yeah. happy to hear that because I know <laughs> that's one thing I get a lot too. when people hear my story. They go, wow, you're still so happy. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it happens, but, you know, <laughs> thank, thank whoever that I'm still kind of smiling, you know, yeah, like, you really could have broken. You've been through so much, but I'm so happy that you're just that you still want to do things for others and still know how to yeah. love and, and all that, yeah. which is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> before, Thank you. <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, anything you want to promote or any uh, social media, any of your work or anything? Uh, yeah. You can find me on TikTok uh, at K is Nito. <laughs> um, and on Instagram at K is Nito. 
and that's it. That's where I do a lot of my activism work, speaking out for victims of religious abuse and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Awesome. With school and everything in the background, you know. Yeah, no, and we got we got to stay doing. You know, when you've been through that stuff, we have firsthand experience that we can really share with people. So that's why we do this. And so yeah. I want to thank you so much for sharing everything today. And uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch for sure. I would love to to go back out to Texas and do some activism work with you. It'd be amazing. Yeah. That would be great. All right, Dota. We're gonna say bye now, but don't hang up. I want to take a quick picture with you. Jess is gonna do it, and uh, but thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Okay. Bye. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.